David Eicholt, Sean Balk, HawkeyeInsider.com, reacting to some breaking news in the Iowa football world. Tyler Linderbaum will not return to the Hawkeyes in 2022 and will go to the NFL. Sean, not a huge surprise, uh, but at the same time, it, it struck me as a very TJ Hawkinson-like decision. I think his heart wanted to come back to Iowa, but even Kirk and everybody in his camp said, dude, you have your degree. Granted, TJ didn't have his degree at the time. But it's like you have your degree, you're getting, you know, eight digit pay, you know, eight digit signing bonus and, and contract. You got to go. Um, but a big loss for the Hawkeyes. I think it's something that, you know, Iowa has been anticipating, but uh, the news officially broke this morning. Yeah, it was definitely not one that necessarily came by surprise, but it was one that seemed a little more close to the best than we thought. I know there was a lot of buzz that when Riley Moss came back that, you know, Linderbaum was thinking like, hey, maybe maybe I can come back and play with my buddies, you know, one more year. Like he's a he's a Hawkeye to the bone, stolen kid. You know, his dream was playing for Iowa. But at the end of the day, I think I think the right choice was made for him. I think, you know, in terms of money, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, what happened in the Citrus Bowl, too. I know Tyler Linderbaum is the last person to opt out of a Citrus Bowl. But I think maybe that injury that he had, despite coming back into the game, maybe had, you know, an inclination of someone in his circle and even the Iowa staff being like, okay, like, you know, if that happens, like, you got lucky there. Like, if that happens again, like, you know, there's potential for you to really hit – to really have your stock depleted. And not to say that Leonard Baum's, you know, long-term career would be impacted by injuries, but, you know, it's a really real thing. We've seen it. We've seen it before. Um, Matt Corral, Ole Miss – you know, there are others in years past. And Jameson Williams, I grant it's a title yeah. game, but yeah, exactly. That's a that's a good example too. So, you know, it, at the end of the day, it was it was the right choice. Um, I think he made the right pick in my mind. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's a win win. That's that's kind of what Riley Moss said too. You can come back and, you know, fulfill a dream for one more year at Iowa, or you can go make money in the NFL. And, you know, Linderbaum from every NFL mock draft I've seen is top 15 and I've seen a couple top tens too. And, you know, I think that lines up well. And, you know, he has a chance to be the first center drafted in the top 10 since 1968. Can't remember the name exactly, but they were drafted number two. And that's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty rare company to be in. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it's a win-win. I mean, it just helps Iowa in the recruiting. I mean, Iowa's all-line recruiting has continued to improve, but it's like, hey, you put Tristan Wirfs in the league, who I, you could argue is the top tackle in the NFL right now. I think he has a legitimate case for it. You look at Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, he that's a guy, Sean, that he could walk in there and be an all-pro the first year. I mean, I remember, you know, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic covers Iowa. He's been around the game a long time does a great job evaluating. And he even said last year, if Linderbaum would have left, he would have been a top five center in the league already. And he was only at, you know, Tyler's still fairly new to the, to the position, but that's just the sort of upside that Linderbaum has. And, you know, again, Iowa staff's been anticipating this. I feel like, so there are reliable options. I mean, we talked before the season, Sean, that Michael Mislinski, when, when Iowa got his commitment after he decommitted from Texas, that was a huge addition to that, to that 2021 recruiting class, because you talk about a very prototypical center prospect that has a high upside. It's him. Uh, granted, he needs to continue to get the reps and he's got to continue to get the work in. And there's some other guys, you know, I know you had a VIP piece on it today, a hawkeyeinsider.com, but it, it it seems like it's going to be a smooth, not as smooth, as, maybe probably as smooth of a transition as you can hope for. 
But at the same time, you also can't expect, obviously, the level of performance that you got out of Linderbaum. Because I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I, I If Linderbaum had come back, you could argue if he wins the Remington Award again. I mean, he's arguably the top center to ever play college football. And I know how you know ludicrous that sounds, but you put on the tape, you look at the advanced analytics, and he, he's got a legitimate case. But again, I, I think even with Linderbaum's departure, Sean, Iowa's O-line is going to be better this next season. I think people should expect that too. Yeah, it's just finding that guy that's going to be consistent. But I also think it's going to be more on an even plate this year or next year with some of the guys that they have coming back despite the struggles that they had a year ago. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how it all pans out. It's, you know, it's kind of disappointing. I know the Iowa staff kind of anticipated there was a little glimmer of hope maybe down the down the stretch that Linderbaum would come back. But I think it's they, they expected this for a while. But, you know, like I was saying, it's 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 disappointing in some areas. I mean, you love to see the guy make his money and, you know, he's been nothing but a great Hawkeye throughout his career. But, you know, you see the offensive line, you see the progression. They took, you know, I'd, I'd argue maybe one or two steps forward this year after a rough start. And now with Linderbaum leaving, you're taking those one or two steps back. And I know they've worked a number of guys in at center. Um, you can check that piece that I put on HawkeyeInsider.com. VIP piece of a couple of guys that I think will factor into the mix. Michael Mislinski obviously being one of them. And then a couple other maybe surprise names um, that you could throw in there. But, you know, that that makes the addition, potential addition of Hunter Norzad, uh, Cornell offensive line transfer, that much more important. I've been yeah. told that he's an interior guy for Iowa. You know, play could play at either one of the guard spots, preferably center, I think, at this point. But I think you also want to see Michael Mislinski um, stay healthy and emerge as one of the guys that true center this this offseason because you know that that's why Iowa added in the 2021 class to be to be the guy to come behind Linderbaum and I believe he was getting reps with the twos during spring ball so that's an encouraging sign to see his development see how he's grown because I know there were a couple of um, kings that left him out throughout the uh, throughout the season for short periods but you know, you, you just got to find a way to replace him. And Iowa's always done a good job of that next man up mentality and finding guys that can come in and produce. But, you know, it's it's hard to replace a guy like Linderbaum without a doubt. And, you know, Sean, I think when you look at the early declarations for the NFL, I mean, there really wasn't that many of a surprise. I mean, the biggest surprise would probably be Riley Moss returning for another season. But like Dane Belton, we, we talked about. I think you called at the beginning of the season that he would have a decision to make. I remember you were kind of, you know, hyping him up too. If he could take that next step, he has that decision to make. Then you look at, you know, Iowa gets Jack Campbell back. He led the nation in tackles this season. They get Riley Moss back. Like Iowa has a pretty good offseason. They get Sam Laporta back. I mean, let's dive into some of this. Campbell, look, I think Campbell would have been a top 125, 150 guy. I think Sam Laporta, the same thing. But you get two legitimate future Sunday players back. And it was interesting. I think Laporta maybe took a little bit more time to think about it. I mean, I think even, you know, with all the talk about Campbell, Sean, and what, you know, scouts were saying and some, you know, all of that. Do you ever really feel like Campbell's leaving? I, I didn't. You talk about a guy who was totally invested as a Hawkeye that wants to represent the state. And, that, and I, I tweeted this out. It's probably a perfect recruit slash player, the culture fit with Iowa and Campbell and Iowa gets him back. And I, I really think Campbell with a big year next year, especially in coverage and maybe a couple more forced fumbles or whatnot, Sean, he could, for, he could be make his way into a legitimate second round pick six, five, two guy that can move like that. 
there's still a lot of upside and a lot of money for him to gain with a big season next year. Yeah, I think I you, you nailed it about Delton or Dane Belton. Um, he was, I think, the only surprise. I mean, it. I was a little surprised after his last two games where he didn't perform as well that he ended up going. Um, but going back to Campbell, I agree with you. I think that that linebacker spot is going to be another strength for Iowa next year with, um, you know, Seth Benson, Justin Jacobs, and, you know, there are other guys in the ranks too that have been really promising. I know Kyler Fisher and Jay Higgins are two guys that the Iowa staff is pretty high on. Um, you know, there are other guys in the wings as well that can work their way up. And, you know, the defense as a whole, obviously losing, losing Belton definitely hurts, but I think you got a couple of candidates there at the cash spot that make it, that make that position a lot more interesting this offseason because as we've seen in years past or recent years that one guy takes the cash position and just seems to run with it and, you know, plays himself into a potential NFL guy. And while Bell maybe struggled in coverage this year, I think there's, there's a lot of qualities that he brings to the NFL that you can, you know, just label him as a guy that can really play anywhere in the secondary if you want him to. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be really intrigued to see who takes over that cash spot. Um, you know, going back to Campbell, obviously that that plays a role with the linebackers because the cash is, you know, a hybrid linebacker safety. But, you know, I'm looking at guys like Cooper DeGene, maybe Xavier Wonk put it there, um, Sebastian Castro, Reggie Bracey, Quinn Schulte. Like there's a number of names that can make it really interesting. But, you know, when you look at the back end of this defense as a whole, obviously with the secondary coming back, there's a lot of intrigue there. Um, linebackers, like I talked before, everyone's coming back. And then the defensive line, too, you're losing Zach Van Valkenburg. You like to see another pass rusher, consistent pass rusher emerge on the outside at the edge. But, you know, you got guys that were, that were promising. I, I mean, you know, you talk about the offensive line. I know, you know, I'm kind of going on a going, kind of going on a rant here. But, you know, I think the defense can be really impressive, too. I think there's a lot to like about you know, that unit as a whole going in next year, even with losing Belton and Ben Balkenberg, um, you know, you're really in Kerner as well. So Jack Kerner as well. So you're losing three starters, but not saying it's replaceable, like guys that are replaceable, but they are positions where you have guys that are capable of stepping up, if that makes sense. On top of that too, Sean, you know, I was thinking about this the other day too, when I was looking at Iowa's roster and depth chart, I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on the secondary as there was this year. I mean, with a young defensive line, yeah, Van Valkenburg had a good year, um, really came on strong at the end. But, I mean, Sean, there were times this year where, I mean, quarterbacks have sat in the pocket, sat in the pocket. Iowa was getting no pass rush, but Iowa secondary just locked it down, and then the quarterback would get impatient and, you know, try to force a throw, and Iowa secondary would make them pay. So while you're losing a couple guys in the secondary, I feel like the D-line's going to take a step forward. They're going to get at least a little bit more consistent pressure on the quarterback that – the secondary, you know, they might not be as good, but they're going to, they could look as good if that makes sense. So the other position group stepping up and continuing to improve, I think that's going to be a big piece, especially a transitional piece for guys like Xavier Wampa, because I, I don't see how you keep him off the field. Cooper DeGene, I think, has a high ceiling as well, but he still needs those, that experience and on defense. He needs the reps, right? I mean, he was a big special teams player, got some reps on defense, but not a ton. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a good thing that Iowa's opening with South Coast State next year. I think it's a great game just to, you know, get some of those newer pieces um, going. But, I mean, you look at Lucas Van Ness, you look at Deontay Craig, who we've talked about for, you know, since he got on campus, what he can do. 
Iowa's bringing in some guys. Like there are some legitimate pieces that I think can take a big step forward. And while they might not have that one dominant flashy guy, I think several guys can step up and take pressure off the secondary where they don't have to be in coverage for eight seconds. They only got to be in coverage for four or five. And if that's the case, that's going to be a very, very big win for Iowa's defense. Now they might not force many picks, but the numbers are going to look pretty similar as far as yardage, getting stops, you know, giving Charlie Jones, who we haven't even mentioned yet, a chance to return a punt and what, what, with what he's been able to. And I think, again, Jones made the right decision as well. And based on just the, uh, the um, turnover rate in that, in that wide receiver room, I think it's a very, very big deal that Charlie Jones is back too. Yeah, definitely. And I want to I want to point something out, too. I, I reported last night that Iowa grabbed a preferred walk-on addition um, in Iowa Western wide receiver, Caden Wetgen. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple people in the program last night, a couple of people close to Caden, and they said that, you know, he's the next, like, Iowa, the Iowa staff believes that he's the next Charlie Jones. And, you know, I think the expectation was, at least from what I heard a couple weeks ago, that Jones was coming back. But getting a guy like Caden Wetchin in the program as well gives you a lot of hope that that special teams unit can continue to grow. And, you know, he's another walk-on, too, that could potentially turn into a scholarship guy. Talking about Wetchin had uh, Southern Illinois offers. Um, UMass, SEMO was one of them um, in Central Arkansas. And, you know, he's a really good – he's a really good prospect to, you know, potentially go into that, to that Charlie Jones role. But – I'll be interested to see if they throw him back there and kick off next year with Jones because I think those two could be a could be a dangerous duo returning kicks. I see Jones still returning puns, but you put Wetchin in there too. That's that's another weapon that uh that Iowa can use in the in the second or in the return game. Really quick too, I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but Sam Laporta, uh, we talked about that a little bit. I, I think it's a huge deal that he's back. I think Iowa, I think he's gonna take a big step forward next year. I loved what we saw of him out of the Citrus Bowl, seven catches, 122 yards, a touchdown. And, you know, Sean, he, he probably would have been a top 125, 150 guy. But with a big season next year and maybe cleaning up, you know, I mean, Sean, he has some drops this season. That very catchable passes and not even just drops, but they would tip up. And, I mean, it led to a couple of Spencer Petrus's interceptions, which, you know, really probably weren't his fault for the most part. So I think if he can come back, clean up his drops, and be a little bit more consistent in the run blocking and setting that edge, I think that'd be a big deal for him. He strikes me as a guy that can work in the late second round, early third round, and that's definitely worth coming back to college for another year. But I think Luke Lachey is going to take a big step forward next year as well. But when you look at Iowa's room, if they didn't get Laporta back, Sean, that's a very, very, very young room. So, you know, if Iowa's trying to take a big step forward on offense, I mean, Laporta is obviously – a huge cornerstone for what Iowa needs to continue to develop that offense and take steps forward next year. Yeah. And, you know, a big reason that Josiah Beeman left um, Iowa and entered the transfer portal, obviously ended up at Florida National, is that, you know, there, Sam Laporta was going to come back after or midway through the season. That was the plan all along. And, you know, Josiah didn't know if he was going to, you know, move up the depth chart. But yeah, I mean, that that might be a bigger loss than some people realize, especially if Laporta were to leave because, you know, Lachey and Miamin are the, were the two most experienced guys. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of experience between the two. I, I, I know that Laporta's or Lachey's kind of playing more of an inline guy right now. I'd like to see him be more of a flex yeah. tight end and go out for some passes. I mean, I know that's Laporta's role, but I think that's where Lachey is going to be most comfortable. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Elijah Yelverton step up as well. I know he, he's battled injuries throughout his career. 
Um, there might be some knock on him with his foot speed, but you know, from a, from a figure and just like a, you know, size standpoint, like he looks like an NFL tight end, but we just haven't seen it yet. And, you know, like I said before, injuries have held him back, but he's a guy I'd love to see come into the ranks and really develop. Be also be interested to see if any walk-on step up. Um, I haven't heard any positive, like a ton of positive buzz there, but I know the staff was really high on Johnny Pascuzzi to walk on in the 2021 class. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they hit the transfer portal to add some more depth there. We'll see. I know they've, they followed a couple on Twitter, but you know, you don't really want to look into that too much just yet, but you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see that tight end spot maybe is a, uh, is an underrated position going into going into next season in terms of like just intrigue, because I mean, I know you have Laporte and Lachey, but, really interested to see how they kind of work with some of those guys behind them um, and see what guys can really merge. Cause then, you know, this is going to be a big spring for Yelvert and for sure. Yeah. This is, this is going to be his time to really step up and, you know, prove that he can be, you know, maybe not this year, but a secondary guy behind Lachey or, you know, whoever else works and what works their way up. I like your point about Lachey too, but the, the thing I would counter Sean with that is you would like to see him out in the flex. I mean, that's what we talked about when he got, you know, commit to Iowa, right? And signed to Iowa. It's his athleticism. It's his playmaking ability. But what did he need to work on? He was not a good blocker. He That was his big knock is he's not a good blocker. But now you're having him as an inline tight end. And we've seen Lachey. Look, he had a couple botched, you know, plays or not every young player has that. But Sean, he he's progressed a lot faster as a, of a block, like as a blocker than I, at least I anticipate. I think he's done a nice job. So if he keeps that same upside catching the football when they move him out to the flex, but he has that blocking kind of foundation. I mean, that's a great start. I mean, that's a great start to his year. And then when he needs to step into that role next year uh, in 2023, I mean, when Laporta has gone, he, he's got that foundation of block, but he's also, you know, got the pass catching ability as well. So, I mean, it might, it might seriously be a case, Sean, or I'm again, way too early to speculate, but he might be Iowa's breakout player in 2023 when he steps into that role. I mean, it just it, it, at least on paper and in my head, it makes sense based on what we've seen and what we know his upside is. I mean, he's he's made some nice places here. He just hasn't gotten the targets that I don't think he would have quite liked to see. But I do anticipate that when they revamp the offense a little bit, he's going to get a bit more opportunity next year as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a overall, I mean, kind of the closest thing out there's. There's a lot of intrigue going into the offseason. There are a lot of different position groups. I know the staff is still kind of, you know, pointing things out. And, you know, that's why bull prep is so big, too, because you can see these guys work in these various positions. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the quarterback at all. And, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to talk about that this podcast. I don't either. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, that might be the most interesting position. I think Spencer Petrus is the guy. But I think you have to take a hard look at Padilla and Labis. Um you know, there's just a lot of intrigue. I, I feel like there's just more optimism going into this season. Obviously, you lose a couple pieces, but, you know, with the way Iowa's recruited and the way that they've, you know, the buzz has been about some of those guys in the, in the you know, waiting in the wing, you know, there's there seems to be just a lot of hope and a lot of optimism that this team can be, you know, maybe even exceed. I'm not guaranteeing a Big Ten West championship, but, I think this team could be better across the board this year than last year. I I don't know if I'm out, if that's an outlandish take, but you know, I think, I think, I think to you and I know, I think to the public after losing to Michigan and Kentucky, maybe, but I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Sean. I do at least. 
Yeah. I mean, the schedule schedule will be interesting. Obviously, uh, you know, we talked about that before, but, you know, it'll be a, it's going to be an interesting team. I, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. I'm not saying that, you know, I was going to replace Tyler Goodson. Like, you know, they're going to be like Gavin Williams and Sean Williams are going to be so much better than um, Tyler Goodson. But I think you like what you saw in the bowl game, or at least, you know, can take a little bit away from that and, you know, be optimistic about it. Um, and same thing with the offensive line. You don't lose a ton from defense, although they're three really important contributors in Kerner, um, Belton, and Van Valkenburg. But, you know, you bring guys back to that, you know, have a lot of experience and are, are promising players in the wings as well. So, you know, I it's going to be it's going to be a fascinating offseason. I'm really intrigued to see what what comes about here in the next couple of months. I don't think we'll have to worry about storylines. And it's very interesting before we wrap this up, Sean, it's very interesting to me that there are so many guys returning, but I really don't think the intrigue's ever been higher, at least since I started covering Iowa, just in terms of what the team can look like, what steps are going to be taken forward. How, like there's so many open position battles as well. Like this is, I think, again, it's going to be the most competitive spring ball as far as for positions, probably since I started the beat in 2018. You agree with that? There's just so many spots that you don't really know, but there's so many guys coming back as well. It's it's a very weird but interesting dynamic. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that for sure. So, Sean, we'll have plenty of time to talk about everything else, but thought it was important for us to hit on some of these early entries. Again, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247, and check out HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth, extensive uh, coverage of everything Iowa Hawkeyes. Until then, uh, we'll talk soon.